You're listening to Building the Game with Rob and Jason. It's Building the Game with Jason and Rob. For tabletop game design, you really can't go wrong. Building the Game, yeah, Building the Game. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, it's November 27th, 2017. You're listening to episode 287. My name is Rob. Jason is sitting here with me as usual. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Jason and I made a mistake today. What was that? Did you eat too much turkey? No, <laughs> uh, I wanted to, I, but I, I didn't. We're recording I, this on Thanksgiving. I'm just well, kidding. We're not. It's the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. We had a big Thanksgiving potluck at, at the office today. Um, and uh, uh, I was responsible for going and getting the, the meat. Yeah. Um, and so I, I went and got the meat. Uh, two giant hams and four big turkey breasts. Yeah, that was I saw. There were like three huge pans of meat. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, and it was delicious. Yeah, it looked good. It, it was delicious. Um, so and there was a lot left over. So at the end of the day, I uh, took a I took a uh some some turkey and I took some ham and I wrapped it up in tin foil and I uh, took it home with me. And um, now, and I feel good about the decision, right? Yeah. That was a good decision. And I, and I, I had to, I went and got my share of leftovers at like you know quarter after four, and then they sat next to me on my desk Uh-oh. until about five o'clock, right? Yeah. And they sat there on my desk, and it was fine. It was totally fine. Uh, no problems. And then I get in the car to go home, and I put those those foil wrapped uh, packages of meat on the passenger seat next to me in the car. <laughs> and I, I drive the, uh, you know, less than 10 minutes back to my house. Right. And I pull in the garage and I and I pick up one of those piles of meat and there's a giant meat puddle. <laughs> a giant meat puddle, meat juice puddle on the passenger seat of my car. Fantastic. And I went, I, I said bad words. Yeah. Loudly. Did you throw the meat? I did not throw the meat. It's delicious and I don't want to... <laughs> I'm impressed. No. I probably would have thrown the meat. No, I picked it up quickly and I ran inside and I got a big old wad of paper towels and yeah. just soaked them in water and ran back outside and soaked the passenger seat and tried to wipe it up as much as I could. And uh, it was still wet when I drove over here, of course, to, to record with you. And and now my car smells um, savory. So the ultimate joke of this is who sits in the passenger seat? Christine. Yeah. yeah. Your vegetarian my vegetarian wife. wife. <laughs> Sitting in the meat seat. So, I mean, I'm not opposed to my car smelling kind of savory, um, like savory ham, um, because it's delicious. <laughs> but uh, it's not a smell that I need all the time. So, I think uh, I think tomorrow I'll be stopping at the Walgreens and getting uh, a big old bottle of Febreze. Yeah. To uh, to soak that seat. That's a decent plan. Yeah. So I don't know. Wish me luck, builders. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this episode's going up after Thanksgiving. Yes. Hopefully um, you had a good Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah, the same to you and same to all the builders out there. If Thanksgiving is something that you celebrate wherever you are, of course. Is like Thanksgiving a thing? Like, no, like in, it's American. Thing. I know it's an American thing, but I'm. Tr- is it like a thing that like any groups in America like officially don't celebrate? I don't know. Um, I so, mean, I, there's. it's a pretty like just secular regular holiday it's not eh. like you know i mean there's like the, this crazy stuff about native americans and well i mean and- we, were, we were told in grade school as children that it was about the the pilgrims and the native americans getting together and having a feast and and giving thanks for for helping each other out in harvest time right but I, we know that that's just grade school nonsense well i i have always assumed that was the case yeah. yes yeah uh, that that's yeah, that's somebody just trying to sell something to school children. Uh, I don't really know what all the roots of that are, and, and I'm sure that they're they're troubling in some way because <laughs> lots of things that in, nowadays and in there in in 2017, lots of things that we previously thought w- it was okay to love, and lots of people that we thought it was okay to enjoy. Uh, uh, we we have since, especially in the last month or so, oh god, we've come to know that that these things and that these people are disgusting, horrible creatures. Yeah. 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 It's, it's stupid. Yeah. How many people are out there doing stupid things. Right. That are just stupid. And I don't even know how I'm supposed to 
I don't know how to talk about it. I don't know how to feel about it. Like, obviously, I, I mean, I'm horrified, right? But I also know that I'm I'm a white, a straight white guy, you know, and I and to a large degree, I should maybe just shut up about it. <laughs> and I don't know what the right way to handle it. Straight is. white guys, Rob, have never been great at shutting up. Well, let me explain that to you. That's part of <laughs> that's that's part of my point here. Yeah, I I don't think that I think that if you're not involved, you don't have a lot to say, right? Ah, uh, um, yeah. The, the, I will say the the best the best response I've heard so far, the most honest response, came from someone who I very unexpected because this is actually a comedian I can't stand, mm-hmm. which is Sarah Silverman, mm-hmm. um, because she's she's one of those like I'm being offensive to be offensive, and like yeah, yeah, yeah. that just is annoying to me. Yeah, it's one of the reasons why I never got into like Cards Against Humanity, right? It's like yeah. it is offensive. Just to offend people. Yeah, um, that can be funny for a short period of time, but it gets old fast. Right, 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 yeah. right. Um, and at some point, guess what? That person will offend you because yeah. they want to offend everyone. Um, don't get me wrong. Sometimes she's funny. I loved her in Wreck-It Ralph, but it's because it wasn't her. It was just mm. her voice, which she's got a great yeah. voice. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, she, uh, on her new show on Hulu, I mm-hmm. think, or whatever she's on, uh, she talked about Louis C.K. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how like they're like, she loves that man and they've been friends for a very, very long time but that like she's not going to cut him any slack, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, she's like, I love this guy. He did terrible things. He needs to pay for those terrible things. I don't know what to do about my feelings about that, right? Yeah. It was very honest, right? Sure. And it was very much focused on my feelings about this don't really matter right now because yeah. what matters is that we need to support these people coming forward, men and women, um, that that's super important uh, because that's all that matters right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was just interesting to hear someone's like, take on that you know yeah, yeah. kind of different way and it came from someone i did not expect for sure sure so sure yeah but yeah this whole thing sucks like you're like which person that i love like as a big famous person today is going mm-hmm. to turn out to just be a raging terrible jerk yeah a yeah. disgusting piece of human trash yeah yeah and i don't know i don't know and it's it's deeply troubling um yeah. in so many ways in so many ways Indeed. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Your Legos just fell. I'm just trying to figure out why this one stormtrooper doesn't have a head. Well, you know, accidents happen, man. Oh, <laughs> there's a it's lot over by your mic stand. Oh, I was gonna say there's a lot of guys with lightsabers rolling around here. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, a lot of Legos. In other current events, in other current events, uh, I played a game recently. What'd you play, Jason? Just one. Just one. Hoot owl hoot. Hoot, owl, uh, I still think that's a really good game. Yep. Uh, it's the co-op game from Peaceable Kingdom, uh, which they actually had a booth at Gen Con this year. I talked to them for a little bit. Okay. Um, so they only make co-op games for kids, uh, like for families. And they uh, they do everything, like like all their plastic pieces are made out of corn, like and stuff like that. Yeah. Really? Like they, they're really into like, you know, being harmonious with nature and stuff and being sustainable. And I think that's awesome. Sure. Um, so I will support their games. Their games are a little pricier, but uh, duh, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's that's the price you pay for sustainability sometimes. Mm. But anyways, um, I very much like that game because it's there's a lot of strategy. You're just trying to get owls back in okay. uh, to a nest before the sun rises. And uh, like I've actually played it multiple times solo. Mm-hmm. Um, I literally almost said solo by myself. Um, <laughs> but uh, And it's very strategic if you're an adult playing it. Your kid's playing it, mm, not so much, but... Yeah, uh, yeah. It's still fun. I just stack the deck so that it's impossible for us to lose, and then we win, and then they're Oh, happy, yeah, so. that's... Yeah, you told me yeah, about that. Yeah, right, right, Just yeah. take out a few of the negative cards, and suddenly you win every time. Hey. Yay! That's... Yeah. Um, but anyways... Uh, <sighs> hmm. Yeah, so I played that. You've Good. played anything? Lately? No, I really haven't. I, you know what? Um, we were tweeting for topics and questions earlier, and uh, um, your mortal enemy, um, who, who you know who I'm talking about, Oh, I do. Yeah. He uh, he tweeted at us. Uh, uh, he said, I, I'd love to hear you guys talk about designers who design games but don't play published games. And and I don't <laughs> think that was a dig at us, but, uh, but I feel a lot of guilt about that all the time, that I just don't have the time to play nearly as often as I want to. And it and I, I have a lot of guilt about that, right? Yeah. I. But this reminds me of a statement I heard recently, which okay. was somebody said, if you're a writer who doesn't have time to read books, you don't have time to be a writer. And I thought, well, the person who said that's kind of an right? I mean, like, because that's like saying, if you don't have time to play games, you don't have time to be a game designer. Mm. Uh, meaning, if you don't have time to play published games, right? And I think that's crap. Um, now, that said, 
if Riddle's talking about people who are like, um, who are like, you're talking about Riddle, right? Yeah, I'm talking about. Man. There's yeah. a couple, so I just right. want to make sure. Talking about Matt Riddle. Yeah. yeah. So, um, if you're like a designer who's like, I don't play published games, then yeah, shut your face. Yeah. Right. Like literally, if you're listening to our show and you're like, I don't play published games and I'm a designer, I, you call us and tell us why you have that stupid opinion. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's yeah. me saying that, not Rob. Just in case Rob is uncomfortable with that, but I feel pretty good about saying that's stupid. Yeah, I mean, if it's a, if that's if that's your your lifestyle, right? Where like I'm too good to play published games. I yeah, hipster no, game designer. Yeah, no, I I I agree with you on that. Just you know, get over yourself, play some stuff. Okay, stop. Don't feel like you're better or smarter than all these other people out there. And, and I mean, it's, it's, it's this, it's this, it's similar to the guilt that I feel about not being able to back more Kickstarters, you know, that, that I, I buy more games. You're not going to play. Well, yeah. They, yeah. Like the, it, they're kind of connected for me. And, and, and that one have, has even more baggage around it for me because I, I just like, I want to support all of our friends every time their games and, 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 and our friends who are publishers, right. Even if the designer's not somebody right. we know, I want to support them all the time, but I just can't. Cause you just can't. go broke. I would, and I and I would just realistically never be able to play all those games because I already have a bunch of games that I just haven't had a chance to play because we just are, you know, our schedules don't work out. We, right. we, we you know, to be fair, we want to play way more published games yeah, than we do. Right. I love when I get to play a bunch of published games, but but I feel really guilty about that. Like like to the point where I'm kind of, I'm toying right now with the idea. Obviously, I'm not going to go to Unpub this year. I'm toying with maybe going to Gen Con this year, without doing any pitches again without even bringing in my, any of my own prototypes just so I can focus just on playing. playing a bunch of other games. Wow. And I don't know, that's that, that idea. I, and it, I was toying with that idea. Are you okay there? Yeah. yeah fix my pop okay. so you don't me about it. Yeah. Uh, I, I was thinking about that and I've been thinking about that for the last couple of weeks, honestly, even before Matt, um, tweeted this. Um, and it's, and I'm talking about it cause it's just kind of weighing on my mind right now. And I that's don't know. Fair. I mean, I, I'm still happy with where Barrow is, you, you know, right. and I still want to keep going with it. But uh, so I'm not saying that I'm abandoning that. But um, um, yeah, I just don't. I just don't know, man. Well, for me, I didn't do a tour de force of pitching like you did last time. So I actually yeah. played a ton of published games at Gen Con. Yeah, um, I'm jealous of that. Yeah, I know you should be. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll trade. I'll sign a bunch of games, and, and you play a bunch of games. Uh, but anyways, I. Uh, yeah, I always feel guilty about not playing as many games, but I also understand it's the reality of the fact that I guess I feel guilty because like I want to be more aware of games out there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I want to be able to draw on that when I'm designing. Um, that for me is really the big thing that I feel like I'm missing out on. Um, but like even at Grand Con, I feel like we played a lot of published games. Maybe well, not. You tons. more than me because I wasn't there the whole time. Oh, yeah. Well, see, that's your fault. <laughs> That's why I stay, because then I can yeah. be there super late and no, play lots no, of games. I, yeah, I agree with that, yeah. Though it was kind of annoying at Grand Con this year because of their stupid hotel situation. Yeah. I said stupid. I meant that. I'm saying stupid a lot tonight. I don't know why. But You're angry tonight. I am angry tonight. You should have a beer. That'll, that'll cheer you up. Yeah. Yeah. We can have beer for the next episode if Let's you want. Let's do that. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Sign me up. Yeah. But anyway, so I don't know. That was just kind of on my mind lately in, in Matt's comment. Um uh, kind of brought it to the forefront of my brain for the evening, but that's not what we were going to talk about tonight for our topic. No, we we're going to talk about something his better half said to you. That's right, his better half, um, Mister Mister um, Pin Benchback. Uh, sorry, Ben Pinchback. Uh, he he suggested for a topic for tonight that we talk about um, what to expect as a designer when you're expecting. Oh no, sorry. What? If you have an upcoming Kickstarter project, different, not the other thing. Um, and so, you know, and I think we've talked about this a little bit before, uh, but since, since then it's been at least a year, probably more than that. And you and I have both experienced, had more experience since then, right? Um, yes. More Kickstarter campaigns, including Epic Monster Tea Party, which is on Kickstarter right now. Um, Sneaky plug. As of this recording, we are just about to hit a stretch goal. And uh, I think by the time you guys are hearing this, we got one day left, maybe two days left. But I think we're down to our on our final day right now as of when this episode's going up. So it's your last chance to jump on board for Epic Monster Tea Party. Don't miss it, guys. Don't miss it. And in theory... You should have unlocked some stretch goals. They yeah. set those goals now very aggressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, they very want aggressive. want to hit them. Right. So um, so I, I don't think you're going to regret it. 
uh, never been a better time to jump on board. They, I think we talked about it before, but they also fixed their international shipping stuff. So the prices on that are way, 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 way better. So this is a super good opportunity for you guys to do that. At any rate, though, um, I uh, I asked Jeff, or, or no, Jeff is not Jeff, he's Ben. Who's Jeff? I don't know. I actually know a lot of Jeffs. I don't know why I said that, though. No, I don't know any Jeffs in gaming, though. Uh, so so I, I asked Ben if he would had any tips that we could share in, in connection with this topic. Uh, and so I thought I might uh, read through some of these and, and we can comment on them as they as they come up. Cool? Yeah, because, I mean, he's been through about a gajillion Kickstarters. Right, and he's yeah. had a lot more success than we have, right? And, and he's had to, no, I mean, he's had a lot of success, you know, yeah. despite Matt, but... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Every opportunity. Every opportunity. Uh, so his first, his first tip is think about taking the day off to keep up in the comments section. Which is an interesting one, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, so with Epic Monster Tea Party uh, going on right now on Kickstarter... You can get your own copy, just 30 bucks. Have you uh, commented at all on that? Uh, a couple of times, right? Uh, but there hasn't been a lot of comment activity. Right, and, and right. you know, and because of the style game, the small family game, it's not really, it's not the kind of thing that connects with the huge Euro base, right? It's it's Correct. It's not one of those games that is going to ever be uh, a monster on Kickstarter. That said, <laughs> it's, I know, yeah. Hey, these are the jokes, folks. These are the jokes. <laughs> Um, so, so, but with, uh, with Saloon Tycoon that, uh, I was a little bit more engaged, but I was also cautious, you know, I didn't want to step on AJ and Evan's toes or anything like that, you know, cause, cause I know they, they had, were very, very careful about their messaging and about how they wanted to communicate that stuff to, uh, to backers. And I didn't want to get in the way of that. And in fact, there were a couple of times when, when I would make a comment or even a few things where I was thinking about making a comment and I would reach out to AJ and say, hey, I was going to say something about this. What do you think? And he would help me either tune that comment before I posted it or after I posted something that didn't quite line up, he would say, hey, next time, let's let's approach it from this angle. Um, Interesting. Because it, it was important that they that they control their messaging on that. Right. And so so from, from that perspective... Um, and number one, it made me th- feel realize, oh, I should have talked more with him about this in advance. Uh, and then the number two made me be a lot more thoughtful about how I commented and what kinds of comments I made in the comments. You know, yeah, and that's we've seen that before. Yeah, with Kickstarters where designers will contradict mm-hmm. the publisher. That is the worst thing you can do. You are better off just being not there. Yeah. than contradicting the publisher. Right. Um, or arguing with anyone in the comments. Yeah. Those right, are the well, two things sure. you don't do. Don't contradict the publisher. And publishers also don't argue with people in the comments. I've also seen publishers do that, which mm. is just stupid. That's never good. Like idea. you're never going to win that argument. Nope. Because you look like the jerk. Um, I, I understand that when people take the diplomatic approach, they probably feel like a big loser because they're just mm-hmm. like, oh, well, thanks for your feedback. I think we're doing this. And you're like, yeah, they want to say shut up and go away. Mm-hmm. But like, but they can't. But they can't. Yeah. And that's right. So, right. yeah. So, so now from Ben's perspective, I mean, he's come, he's come from some pretty major campaigns, right? There's, these guys have had a lot of success um, and, and they're known. And so their, their projects are, are on a kind of a different level from, from what ours have been so far, you know? So um, for him, I think it makes sense. And for both he and Matt to really engage with that stuff. Right. And they've obviously done this enough times that they have the skill to know how to approach that stuff. Uh, and approach it well, and I think that is a skill, and it's something that that you can you, needs to be learned and practiced. Um, now, on his other part, his other piece of that, which is take the day off, like take the day off work. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'd be able to do that because because I appreciate the distractions, <laughs> right? So that I'm not just constantly watching that number all day, right? Because you'd just be sitting there staring at it, right? Especially if he's doing well on day one, you're like, uh, where's now? Where's that? It's been, it's been five minutes. How many backers have we got in the last five minutes? Right. So yeah. I, I don't know. Anyway, so, so I think, I think, I think that's good advice, um, from him. Uh, um, yeah, but make sure you're realistic about yourself and about your game and about what the publisher wants you to do. Um, exactly. Right. Next thing he says is expect to be there in the comments consistently for the duration of the campaign. So, so I do agree with that. Always be watching, always be ready to comment, always be ready to help, always be ready to contribute, which is important. Um, and one of the things 
that I would suggest that we did with Unreal Estate um, and that Mark has done with his other campaigns is he uses Slack, right? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to be that. Have some sort of communication channel. Mm-hmm. So like Rob said, you can be checking in with the publisher, right? Um, it can also be a good place to vent <laughs> when you're frustrated about comments yeah, because you can talk to each other, mm-hmm. formulate your plan, mm-hmm. and then move forward. I mean, because on that, commenting was myself, Mark, Heather, and Kirkman, right? Yeah. There are four of us all having comments about things and wanting to help. And we wanted those four voices, but mm-hmm. we just made sure to just stay in touch constantly. Yeah. So, and that's actually the next next uh, series of comments he has here. His next thing is make sure you and the publisher have a daily open line of communication, yep. which is super, super important. Delays of a half day or day when backers want information can murder a campaign's momentum. Absolutely. He's absolutely right about that. And then he actually uh, adds a tip on, in connection with that. Greater Than Games used a Slack channel for their latest campaign, which was Sleepy Hollow, uh, and it worked well. Everyone on the campaign was in there every day. So that, that's what you just yep. said. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And you can just put a channel for the campaign, right? And now still, when Mark has changes for Unreal Estate and stuff that's happening with it, mm-hmm. he posts it in the Slack channel, and we can all see it immediately, and we can respond to it and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's great. Yeah, I like it a lot. Yeah. Uh, his next tip, if your campaign goes well, expect to have to come up with stretch goals on the fly, a.k.a. Scorpions in the Box, right? Right. He's, just expect that, right? You you need to be ready with some. You and the publisher need to be ready with some, but but just expect to have to be on your toes. Right. Right. Um, and his final comment, kicktrack.com is a valuable research. Do some research or valuable resource. Do some research beforehand on what you think would be similar projects, mm-hmm. which again, I think is uh, a good note. Kicktrack is great. Yep. It is so great. So as someone who's a big fan of data with stuff like that and reporting, um, I'll tell you the thing that I use is not any of the trend charts, right? I don't trust those. The no, predictions no, 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 are no. generally, in my opinion, the predictions are, are wildly inaccurate. It's the daily data. Yes. That daily data, the bar graph mm-hmm. that shows um, how much money you've gained or lost over the course of the day, yep. that is where that is where all of the interesting facts are. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, there's, there's kind of a model in Kickstarters don't always follow it. Um, I was watching a Kickstarter recently <clears throat> where... Um, you, you kind of expect like, say day one, it's going to do 10,000, right? Mm-hmm. Day two, that's that's always to me the telling point, right? Like what percentage does it drop on sure. day two? Because you yeah. want it to be half or less that it's dropped, right? You yeah. want it to stay above half. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw a Kickstarter recently where they had a killer first day and then day two was like 20% of day mm-hmm. one. And I was like, oh, wow. Like yeah. that Kickstarter has to adjust its expectations. Right. And um and I watched that publisher like because I had backed the Kickstarter right so mm-hmm. I was watching it and I was really hoping they hit the stretch goals and I watched that publisher work their butt off yeah to turn it around and get it back up to where that Kickstarter did fantastic right yeah. mm-hmm. but that's that's what it takes is is a publisher and a team that's right. willing to do that right? right yeah to pivot and just keep pushing and pushing mm-hmm. and paying attention to that data yeah, yeah. people want to want to support something that people are excited about helping something succeed. They want to be a part of that success and, and they want to play a fun game, you know? Right. Um, and, and you have to, you have to give them reasons to, to help you. And if they're not helping you, you need to work with them to try and find a way to make it fun for them, make yep. it engage them. But, but so those are, those are tips for, I guess, publishers, right? But so getting back to designers, what are their, what are their thoughts? Whatever advice do you have for designers? Well, I think that every piece of those advice was great for yeah. publishers and designers, yeah, definitely. right? But, um, gosh, you know, I, <sighs> I would be a pessimist going in mm-hmm. privately to mm-hmm. yourself, mm-hmm. right? Uh, expect that it's not going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, if it, if it turns out you're wrong and it is amazing, awesome, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But when you have these expectations of it making a hundred grand or something, and then you know it makes fifteen, or just doesn't fund, uh, or just really struggles and has to fight just to just to fund and get made, um, you know, I mean, you want to be prepared for that, right? Sure, right. Um, and thinking about that, you know, and thinking for yourself, even though you're not the publisher, thinking. What would my contingency plan be if we started to, started to fail? How could I help? Mm-hmm. What could I help to offer the publisher? What are my thoughts? Because, um, well, you don't want to bombard your publisher with those unless they're asking for them. Certainly, your input is probably welcome. If they're a good sure. publisher, your input is welcome. Even yeah. if they ignore it, even if they say, you know, no, that's not going to work, mm-hmm. they still probably are interested in hearing what you have to say. So Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, um, and, and I agree with that. That's... Um, 
Um, totally lost my train of thought. I think you were going to say that's that's genius. Yeah, yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah. That is amazing input. Yeah. I'm not going to call it a genius bomb, but... <laughs> it might have been. Um, yeah. I, so, yeah. Thinking back to Saloon Tycoon. So... Uh, I think our goal was 30,000. Maybe it was 35. I don't remember exactly off the top of my head. And so my number one goal, I'm thinking about that taking pessimist attitude, right? My number one goal was, oh gosh, I hope this thing, I just hope this funds. I just hope yep. this funds, right? I just hope it funds. Because oh, when it's gosh. that high, you're just like, what oh, if boy. it doesn't connect? Oh gosh, And man. it just doesn't fund. Right. And then obviously it did, right? And it, and uh, I, again, I don't remember exactly when we funded. It was pretty early though. And then once we funded and it was going well, I was like, you know what? We had a good... Two two good strong first days, two, first two days, and it looked it looked good. And so once it was pretty clear that it was going to fund, I was like, "All right, so I just really hope we can hit fifty. I really right. hope we can hit fifty. If we could hit fifty, oh man, that'd be killer. That'd be so great. If we can hit fifty, um, and then we hit fifty and had plenty of time left, right? Right. And then you're like, "Holy crap!" And, and after that, I was like, "Man, this is already done better than I ever imagined. So this is all gravy. You know what? This is all gravy, and I'm happy about it." And, and I got, I, and yeah, so it was just, let's just yeah. go for the ride. Um, if I had gone into it, expecting it to hit a hundred, expecting it, you know, this is, this has got to hit a hundred, man. It's got to hit a hundred and it closed at one Oh four. Like it did. I probably would have been disappointed. Right. You or know? you'd have been like, well, at least it made it. Well, at least yeah. it made the goal, you know, at least, at least it made it to my goal, but right. Whatever, screw but that. Instead, you got to see it be like you know seventy thousand dollars higher than your goal, higher than I wanted. Yeah, pretty than, awesome. Than what the, yeah, right. So yeah. Anyway, um, other advice for going into a Kickstarter. Oh, speaking of Kickstarters, um, I, I want to throw a plug out also to our buddy Doug, Doug Hetrick. His game Kapow is on Kickstarter right now. Awesome. I promised Doug a plug a couple of weeks ago, and it totally fell to my head. Doug, I'm real sorry about that. I feel bad. Hopefully, it's still on Kickstarter. Yeah, it is still on Kickstarter. So, uh, builders, you got a few days left on that one. Also, that's a that's a um, he calls it a dice building superhero game where you're actually it's oh, you're, nice. ro- you're rolling dice to to fight as superheroes. I haven't played it, but the idea is cool. Uh, and and as you as you um, play the game, you're you're actually changing the faces of the dice. That it's uh, my understanding is it's a, it's a plastic die with different faces that you pop on and off. That's cool. And and based on what faces you put on those dice, it gives your your superhero different powers and different abilities and stuff. And it looks super super cool. So it's called Kapow. Check that out. Again, Doug. Sorry that I didn't give you that plug earlier. Um, but here you go. Hopefully, hopefully we can help here in these last couple of days. Um, so other advice for uh, a designer going into it, um, I guess. Um, I don't know, man. I'm still not good at this, right? Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. Honestly, I feel like we've given all the insights that we can. Yeah. I'm still not good at this. Like, I'm still, I, I'm far from a pro, right? Or a right. seasoned, experienced person here, right? Right. I've had, I've had two, I've got, had one succeed. I've had an expansion succeed and I've got Epic Monster Tea Party number two, which is close to succeeding, Right. I mean, right. I, I I feel comfortable unless unless horrible things happen between when we're recording and, and when it ends, which I don't expect to happen. No, but you never know it's, with it's the Kickstarter. Gonna, right? It's going to fund, right? So so that's great. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. So I'm I in every all three of these campaigns that I've been a part of have been wildly different. Um, right. So yeah, I'm far from an expert here. Um, I don't really yeah. know what to say. Yeah. So. It, All right. Yeah. It, yeah. I don't know. It, it'll be. It'll be a ride. Expect it to be a ride. Um, whether that's good or bad, I don't know. You just have to wait and see how, for, how it goes for yourself. But um, it's a ride worth going on. I guess. <laughs> it sounds like a. <laughs> yeah, sounds like know. a definite. I don't plug know. For that, I'm I'm bad at advice tonight. I suppose. Hey, here's an idea. How about you pitch a game? Hey, let's do that. All right. So, this game. I've got this game I've been working on. I, I had this idea a while back um, that I wanted to have a game where planets were like moving, like orbiting, but like you were actually like playing planets out mm. and they were orbiting and you were scoring points for them orbiting. And I just couldn't figure out what to do with it. Uh, and I don't know where this, where it finally like formed in my head to where it was a coherent game. But so the game I'm to pitch tonight, I really wanted to call Planet Plinko, but it turns out Plinko is like owned by uh, Price is Right because yeah. they're stupid. Um, Price is right. Anyways, so I can't call it Planet Plinko. Um, 
But uh, so right now, the names I'm competing with in my head are Solar Bowler or Bowler System. Like a play on Solar System. So both terrible. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. So it's what I have right now. Okay. Um, well, and it accurately describes the game. Give up so, on both. Right. <laughs> well, <laughs> builders, if you've got a great idea for a game about planets orbiting and smashing into each other, then... Uh, well, let's hear how it works and then, then sure. we'll work on that. All right. All right. So the, uh, the idea of the game is you've got uh, a board. Uh, I hate the idea of having a board, but it's just the simplest way to achieve the goal of okay. the orbit. There's nothing wrong with the board. Uh, in the center, you have a... Um, in the center, you have the sun. Uh, and then you have four orbits around it uh, that are going out, um, getting bigger as they go. Um, each orbit has multiple what I'll call stations on it, which are basically points where the planet will be when it's orbiting. Um, there's probably a better term for that, but I, it, it just it works for now. Sure. Uh, so the, the first ring ha- that's real close to the sun has four. Uh, the second has eight. The third has 12. And the fourth has 16, as you may have guessed. Um, so the idea with those are um, that you're going to score points uh, for every time you're going to uh, score points every time one of your planets makes a trip around the sun, makes a complete orbit. Full circuit. Right? Okay. Yeah. Um, and the, it's easy to tell because each uh, each orbit has a starting station, uh, and when you whenever you cross that going the right direction. Uh, you uh, are able to score points. Uh, the way the points are scored right now, the planets are all worth the same, even though there's different planets. Um, but um, the uh, just because I like scoring like this, uh, the as the farther out you get with the rings, the multiplier goes up, right? Okay. So it's face value times one times two. Oh, so it's times one, two, three, four. Okay. Uh, because it takes so much longer to get on the outer loop. Now you have uh, eight planets um, that you have available to you, and everybody has their own eight planets. Uh, they all have the same types of planets. Um, so I'll just explain those real quick. You have uh, one very small, pla- no, uh, two small planets, like Mercury-sized, kind mm-hmm. of. Uh, you have uh, two Earth-sized planets. Uh, so that's four. Uh, and then you have a super Earth-sized planet. It's like a big, rocky planet. Uh, then you have a Saturn-like ringed planet. And then the final planet is a Jupiter-like gas giant, right? Um, so as you may guess, ones like the Jupiter one are going to cover multiple orbits when they go, right? So the Jupiter one and nothing can touch the sun. So like the, the gas giants and even the Saturn sized ring planet, those can't go in the first orbit. They'll touch the sun. And if a planet touches the sun, it's dead. Okay. Um, so on your turn, this, so this is where the game falls apart Uh, (laughs) on your turn. Uh, you're going to, to be clear, it falls apart as soon as you start playing it. What? The game? Yeah. Oh, and we don't even get to playing it before it falls apart. Oh, okay. No, I'm talking about the, this is where I'm, the rules, I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen next. <laughs> okay. So here's what I want to happen. When, uh, on your turn, you're going to um, check your orbits. So all your planets that you have that are yours will make their orbit. You know, they'll move whatever they can. The larger the planet, the faster it moves. Uh, I don't know if that's scientifically accurate or not. Uh, um... I'm not actually sure. Uh, uh, not necessarily. Uh, so the speed of the orbit, I think, is kind of independent of the mass of the well thing. I mean, as long as it's not completely wrong, like as long as it's not like smaller ones are faster, then I don't really care. Yeah. Um, the idea basically being that when I put a gas giant out on the fourth ring, uh, it's going to um, it's going to move right faster. You know, the reason that's so that size is why I can't put it on the on a central ring, right? Because you'd just be scoring too many points, right? Does that make sense? Okay. Okay. So on your turn, you're gonna see what your planets are doing. They're gonna orbit, and then you're gonna play a new planet if you can from your stash. And anytime a planet of yours gets blown up, uh, you put it back in your stash, right? So you can never have more than seven. It's seven planets, I believe, uh, out uh, at a time. Uh, but you probably won't anyways, because there's just not enough space for that jazz. Okay. Um, so, so this is, um, so this is what, this is what I want to happen. And I'm not sure. So like when, if, if just on, for instance, if on my turn, just my planet's orbit, right. Um, that's going to be a problem, Right. Because I'm always going to be smashing in other people's planets, which is part of the game. But so this... You don't want to happen every time. Right. So this may actually have to be how it is. It may be everyone goes... uh, See, Mm, that's tough. This is why this is a problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, So uh, 
whenever you play a planet, you're playing it on the starting station, theoretically. Uh, I guess what you would do is just work backwards from there and or work forwards from there or e- either one. I don't know. It doesn't matter um, to the nearest open station. That would make sense. So maybe all the planets uh, have to rotate at the same time. Like, so everyone takes a turn and then there's an orbit turn where all the planets move at the same time. And the way you would resolve that are uh, inner planets move first, then the next ring out all the way to the final out ring, right? Um, or maybe the opposite makes sense. This is what I'm struggling with with this okay. because of the, the motion. Um, but the idea being this, that... Um, we when the like i guess if all if there's multiple planets on the orbit the one the first one would go you'd count off how far it went next one would go next one would go and assuming they didn't hit anything they would just move right uh when they hit things that's when it starts to change right so if i've got a gas giant say in the third orbit right and it hits something because the size of the planet will show you what it's going to smack is it like if it touches a planet then it, it is hit it right like physically like when you move it if it would hit a planet, does that are you following so, me or no? So you're saying that if you've got the gas giant on the outermost ring and you've got the the Saturn sized yeah. planet mm-hmm. on the next ring down, mm-hmm. the Jupiter sized planet is going to intersect with the Saturn sized planet and yes. they're going to hit each other. But if the small rocky planet Mercury size is on that ring, it's probably so small that they're not going to intersect with each other. Exactly. Okay. So when there's a collision, the bigger planet determines where the other planet goes. So if it's on the inside, it's going to push it one orbit in, right? So does that make sense? Okay. Uh, if it's uh, if it was say with say the Jupiter-sized planet was in the third ring and it hit something on the fourth ring, then it's going to propel it out of the solar system and that planet is lost, right? Hmm. Um, okay. So, yeah. Now, how you do things other than just play things in orbit are because um, I feel like that's not enough of a game to just yeah, place no. things and uh, you've got cards that you can play and you can play one card on your turn uh, and that card affects. Um, Lots of different things. It can affect how fast you're going to orbit. It can affect. Um, uh, it can affect how fast you're going to orbit. It can move an orbit of a planet. Right. Um, you can add a moon to a planet, uh, and a moon kind of works as a shield because it's on the outside. So basically, that gets hit before your planet does. Um, uh, you can add a comet to the track. And if you can get a comet through, you'll score points for that. But everyone also is scoring more points because there's a comet, right? Like, because it's like a, I don't know, because reasons. I don't know, because comets sure. are cool. That's fine. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so so those are the things that went happening. Now, so now just spitball in here because as we're talking about this, and I told you ahead of time, like this is not a fully formed sure, idea, sure, sure. but I'm kind of stuck with where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering if maybe you play your cards face up. So on your turn, everyone plays a card face up, Right. I play my planets, I play a card face up. We all do it. Now comes orbit time, right? So in player order, right when my planets are about to orbit, like, okay, whose planet is first on the inner ring, right? I can choose to activate my card that I've put out there. So everyone sees what my card is, right? I can choose to activate that card uh, or not. But if I haven't used that card by the last planet I've used, I lose the card. So that way it's easy to track the what is happening because sometimes it speeds up the orbit. Sometimes it slows it down. Sometimes it completely reverses it for the round. Uh, so the planet rotates backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways. So I, I think I like it better. Hmm. I think I like it better if like everybody's always got... Well, okay. So So first of all, I feel like I like it better if, because you said your innermost ring has four stations. Yeah, four, yeah. Call it four. That, that is an arbitrary number that I picture sure. for now. I think I like it better if that's five or six and it ramps up from there. Sure. Because then it takes a little bit longer to get get a full circle around that innermost. Yep. And yeah, and then you step it up from there. And that gives you a little bit more, many, more options for positioning, right? Right. So maybe like six... Six, nine... Or even six, ten, fourteen... 18 yeah yeah okay. yeah figure that or out even, right? yeah but, so yeah, yeah but i get what you mean just maybe 20 is the outer ring and mm-hmm. six is the inner ring yeah and then i think i think all planets always by default move the same number of spaces on their turn and it's probably i think it's probably just like one space or one station they advance forward and something on an inner ring goes around faster and something on an outer ring goes around slower 
because okay. it just takes longer to, to make a circuit. We're right. And that is consistent with with the way planets are going to orbit a star. And the reason you're willing to play things on the outer rings are because it's worth more points. Right. And then I think your cards, the cards that you're going to play are going to allow you to push a planet farther forward or slow it down. I don't think you can ever make one go reverse, but you could you could you could play a card that uh, and I think maybe the standard is it's going to move two units per turn. You could play a card though that will make that planet only move one unit at at the slowest or move four or move four yeah, or right. seven or whatever, right, right? right? Um and then I think at all times every player like it depends on it, it'll vary by player count but let's say a four player game every player at all times is going to have three planets out there and initial game setup you're going to place your planet somewhere and it's going to you're going to go around the table or or maybe everybody because you've got four different planet types uh four different yeah four different planet scales so yeah so i think i think you everybody places three out there and and at the start of the game for setup you take turns placing one of your plants somewhere and you're thinking about where you're placing them based on what the other guy did right um they're always going to move the same speed. And when you're playing cards, you're going to... In, in cards, you might play a, a card to change your own color or you might play a card to change someone else's colors, uh, planet's movement, right? So so I think that's what's on the cards. Um, oh, look, so you're saying the cards would literally just be plus one through plus seven or plus one through plus five and minus one through minus five yeah yeah like, so something like that, that right? Simple, right right and then and 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 it's move a blue planet move a green planet move a red planet right. move a yellow planet right um and then you can still have power-ups like like a moon like a like a comet and, and other ideas right or space station for some reason or a rocket right you right. know and those and so so to start around you're all gonna you're all gonna put uh, one uh, one card. Maybe you're gonna put one card on the table face up, one card face down. Okay, and so and then starting with player one, they they get to choose which one of those cards you're gonna play. They're probably gonna play the face up one. Then the next guy around can say, I'm either gonna use the one that's face up, or I'm gonna use the one that's face down that you don't know what it's gonna be. And you go around the table twice. Uh, oh, I see. And then okay, ne- yeah. and then that round ends, and all planets advance forward, or something. So you're thinking the planets would be color coded. So like I would, my planets would be mine. Like that would be obvious, but they yeah. would also be color coded so that it wasn't just move a planet forward plus one. It would be blue planets move forward two right. extra. And, and the card might be all blue planets or might say one blue planet and you could have both card types in there, right? And you would just, so if it was right. one blue planet, then. Right. Or it might be any rocky planet or any gas giant, right? Okay. Different ways to any approach Any ringed that. planet. Any yeah. ringed planet, right, right. Okay, okay, okay. That's not. That's oh, I'm not, sorry. Did you, you you said you had five planet sizes, but it doesn't have to be okay. Like well, if, I mean, whatever. I mean, yeah. this is all still doable with five. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, um, I do like the idea of starting with planets out there. In fact, to make it super simple, so there's not even strategy of starting. Mm-hmm. You just have stations for one, two, three, and four. Planets. You can do that too. Yeah. Like, and just make it easy. Like, boom. This yeah. is what happens here. Yeah. Um. I, yeah, and that's the kind of thing you do a little bit of testing, see if that if that right. placement during setup actually makes a difference or not. You know. Um, right. Um, well, I'm just thinking of, you know, wanting to give new players the same advantage, right? Yeah, yeah, of not yeah. having it be like, oh, I placed it here. Ha, you're screwed. Sure. Um, so, every, okay, so explain to me your thoughts on the playing cards. I've got a card face up and a card face down. Yeah, that was just, just throwing something out there, No, right? but, but I was just clarifying, when do planets move then? After both cards are so played? So, it's at the start of a round, all planets move, right? All planets move their standard two two positions forward. Oh, I see. And then you say, okay, planets, blue planets move two forward or rocky. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. And I don't have to play both those cards or in the end, I will have played both those cards. Uh, in the end, you could have played up to both those cards or you may choose to do nothing to at all. To just pass. Right. Okay. To pass both times. And then you're still going to lose those cards at the end. Or maybe right. maybe if you if you don't play either, you can keep one for the next round or, you know, again, figure that out as you go. Well, right? and that could be as easy as you give people five cards. They play two. They draw back up to five. They play two. They draw... Or even three cards even three to make cards, it tighter. Right? Yeah. You have three cards... Play right. two, keep one. Play two, keep one. Right, and then, then and then if planets collide, you you work out your rules for collisions, and maybe a planet gets destroyed, or maybe it moves, or whatever your your decisions are. Right. But everybody always has three cards, three planets out there. Right, and so if, if one of their planets is destroyed, then and then let's say there are five sizes, you've got two two other planet options left in your hand, and you can choose one of those to go out. And and the one that just got destroyed, you can't redeploy right away, but it, it'll go back in your hand at the end of that turn. Well, it could just be even a, like you've got your planets lined up. You choose your first four you want to put out, 
your fifth one is mm-hmm. what's going to go out when something blows up, and the other one goes back. You know what I mean? So basically, yeah. you're creating a chain of planets. Yeah, that's actually though. That's kind of why I like three and five because I think five actually is a better a better idea for size. So you've got two left. So you over. always have two two to choose from. That that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. and then, and then I think I think though you also only redeploy a new planet after the end of a round before they move again. Right. No, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Um. Yeah, that's not bad. Those are some good thoughts. And that keeps it a little simpler, which I was trying to do, but I yeah. wasn't sure how. So you blow up someone's planet, you get points for that? Um, maybe if your planet gets blown up, you get points. So so, so let, let me ask you, to, to maybe to decide this, who is the player in this? Yeah, I don't know. That's something I actually don't want to figure out. Why not? Because everything I can think of is just cheesy. Are you are you alien beings that are toying with a with yeah, a star like, system? I, I hate that setup. Like, I just like the idea that the planets are moving. Right, you're you are science, Rob. That's what you are. Science. And sometimes I don't know your gravitational waves. I don't know. Well, cause I <laughs> I ask it because that helps you figure out scoring. Like maybe right. Um, Maybe you want your plants to get blown up. You're going to get points every time they make it around, or you're going to get points every time your plants get blown up. And and so so it's it contradictory goals for yourself in that case, right? Right. So because because if you get points for making orbits and, and blowing up, yeah, blowing up, yeah, then um, if I steamroll through your planet, then right. So yeah. So one interesting thing to that would be okay, your gas giant's coming. I'm going to deploy my rocky planet in front of it so that you steamroll it, and then boom, I score points exactly for that. Exactly right, yeah. Yeah, I like that, I right. like that. So, so so the downside, though, is is that if you're if you're going to have let players choose their own positioning in an initial game setup, then it's harder to track when they've made a full orbit. That's why I think whenever you deploy, you deploy to your one of your deploy I, points. Yeah, I think you're right. You think or you need, the one directly in front of that. Yeah, then you need standard deployment spots. Yeah. You're right. And I think that's easy. It's yeah. just there's no, then it kills AP, right? right? Your choice is which planet am I going to deploy yeah. and which deploy point am I going to put yeah. it on. So I think and, that's right. In fact, what you could say is you may only deploy a planet if one of your deploy points is open. There's four rings. The chances of one being open are pretty solid. Yeah. And you could even have two points on the outer rings, right? Sure, sure. So right. that to guarantee that you're going to have a spot. And mm-hmm. if there's not, then you have to wait around. Right. It sucks to be you, right? And, you know, if it's a four-sided board for players, every there could just be a straight line on each side, right? You know? Right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, I like that. I'm going to yeah. work on that idea. I think Thank you should. You. I think that's, that's a neat approach. You don't, you, know, you never, I think, never pitched a space game before. No, because all the space games, like, they're just not, those, there's so many people who have made space games. Yeah. And I was like, I want to make one about planets orbiting. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I'm I'm okay with that, man. Cool. Yeah. All right, that's all. Um, okay. Good. All right. So oh, we still need a name for this. Uh, I'll figure it out. It's cool. Okay. Yeah. But it's gonna be less about like knocking, uh, knocking planets into the sun, and more about like just doing stuff that gives me a different context for the name. So that mm-hmm. should be good. Okay. Well then that'll do it So uh, so thanks builders for uh, tuning in And listening to the show We appreciate it If you want to get in touch with us uh, You know how to do this You can call uh, Google Voice number at 770-TEL-BTG You can uh, follow us on Twitter At PodcastBTG Jason is at J.A. Slingerland I'm at Poorly underscore Design You like us in places And give us reviews in other places uh, and, uh, Send us an email to BuildingTheGamePodcast at gmail.com And uh, go to our website Which is BuildingTheGamePodcast.com Dot com. Buy our games on there. You can buy a copy of Water Balloon Washout. You can also go to the Game Crafter and get a copy of a Rumplebum Academy for bug-based baking and finish it, the Outrageous Storytelling Party Game, and Treasure Trouble. All pretty good games, I must say. True story. Yeah. You can also find uh, you can find uh, Unreal Estate. Uh, is that on Amazon yet? I'm not sure. I've never checked. All right, GrandGamersGuild.com, yeah. uh, and uh, on Amazon you can find uh, you can find uh, you can find uh, you can find Saloon Tycoon and soon the expansion. Uh, hopefully here uh, in the next couple of months. Um, you can back Epic Monster Tea Party on Kickstarter right now. Just a day or two left. Uh, so go get your copy. Don't miss out. Um, hopefully sometime in the first quarter of 2018, I'll have more news to share with you about Eat Arms to Hold You or its new name which, or its new name which is which is something we're, we're working on right now I st- uh, I'll say again builders if you have any suggestions I'm happy to hear them 
uh, and uh, and also look for um, uh, simple surgery coming sometime also in 2018. Hopefully, I'll have some information that I can share with you guys on that one in the next couple of months as well. Fingers crossed. So I'm looking forward to that. And uh, that'll do us for tonight. So uh, thanks, everybody, and good night. Good night. Building the Game is a co-production of Imminent Entertainment and Poorly Designed Studios. All of the ideas presented by Rob and Jason are property of the Building the Game podcast. Next time on Building the Game. That'll all be cleaned up by Thursday morning. Yeah? Guaranteed. Guaranteed? That's not... Guaranteed. It's not like a 75%? No, no, it will be guaranteed. It's guaranteed that's going to happen. People are going to want to come down here. I'm actually bummed I didn't get the Atrophy poster printed in time because oh. the online service I tried to use jacked their prices away. It was going to be like 100 bucks to print it. And I was what? like, For a poster? You? Yeah. That's terrible. Yeah. So anyways, I was like, that's not going to happen. cheaper at Kinko's. Yeah, it's like 50 bucks there, I think. Yeah. So, Which is still stupid. Yeah, it's super stupid. I believe you're the one that coined the phrase to me about that uh it's priced in a way that they because they don't want to do it yeah yeah so they it's, price it at a level where they don't want to do it it's so we don't want to f with that price yeah we used to when i worked at that print shop at or well in the, the print center and office depot that we had we had all kinds of services in our in our book that we could we could do for people and most of them were priced out at like you know $85 an hour and that was the we're never going to do this price right. no but one will ever going to make us <laughs> yeah it's got to be worth our while and but you know what most of those services were things like you know like airbrushing photos and retouching and stuff and there was nobody who could do that <laughs> so <laughs> that's Airbrush, also like retouching photos that's a that's a big skill oh yeah I mean I'm guessing that they would have just farmed it out or something to you, someone you just lost the Hulk somewhere I there. know yeah yeah, I don't know what they would have. Nobody. Some, some. Sometimes people would occasionally look through our our book of services and go, "Oh, mm, oh gosh, eighty five. Is that is that like reasonable or is that? I don't know." And you were like, "It's not." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I had to be honest with people and say, "Yeah, no, nah, I, I wouldn't. That's not really what we're here for, like, and we're not really good at it either." So. Yeah, it's, yeah. You might. I would recommend going somewhere else. If you're going to pay $85 an hour, by God, don't spend it here yeah. because it's not going to be worth it. Right. And I, honestly, I'm probably wrong about that number, but it was some astronomical number. I get, yeah, it might yeah. as well have been. Yeah. Yeah.